Season one, episode two of This Crap was on national television. Or as Chris, my co-host, might like to call it, Kirk sends me crap I've got to watch. <laughs> App description. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Chris Bourdain, documentary filmmaker, journalist extraordinaire, all around good guy. Thank you. Thank you, Kirk. So Likewise. Why, so why I'm torturing you like this, I don't know. Uh, but it just, it's... It seems to work. We got Pink Lady and Jeff, a show that you hadn't heard of. I only learned about it a few years ago. Uh, where I came across it was on a best, or sorry, a worst of television list. Uh, apparently TV Guide named it number 35 of the worst shows of all time. Wow, like out of 100? Well, I guess out of everything. Uh, <laughs> I mean, was it 35 out of 100? Oh, Do you know how oh, many I think it was 50. shows were on 50. Okay. Wow. So okay. We can find 34 things worse than this. I don't know how. Yeah. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. I, I know when we do one for next week, it's not going to be a variety show. I, I, okay. I can't do another variety show again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to move away from, from that because I said it last week. I hate variety shows. I hated it as a little kid. I hate them more now. Yeah. Well, variety, I think, is kind of a no pun intended broad topic. I mean, a broad genre because, you know, Theoretically, Saturday Night Live and Carol Burnett would fit into variety, but this was a very, yeah. this Pink Lady and Jeff was a very specific, like, um, product of the 70s, even though it debuted in 1980. But it, yeah, it had that 70s cheese feel to it. It was kind of doomed from the start. So before we review the show, we should look at how we got here. And yeah. NBC head uh, Fred Silverman saw something on another network, I'm pretty sure because Cron Cronkite was on CBS, right? Yes. Okay. All right. So he saw something at the tail end of, of Cronkite News. Cronkite's News. I don't know why he wasn't watching his own, which is yeah, really. interesting. interesting well, I guess you watch the competition to see what they're up to, right? That's true. That's true. And at the end of in one of the episodes, they did a human interest story, and it was about Pink Lady, uh, this Japanese girl duo in Japan who were selling out baseball arenas or baseball stadiums. Yeah. And it was, anyone who can do that is impressive. So we just got this great idea. I put great in quote, air quotes. Well, they could surely do that in the US. No, they couldn't. Now it's not like he didn't try to assemble some talent around him. He got the Croft, Sid and Marty Croft. Right. So if anyone could make a show out of the, for these two, it was probably them. Who were told by Fred when they asked, do they speak English? He said, sure. No, they didn't. <laughs> they did not speak English or very, very little. They did actually have an album in English, but when you hear it, it is very phonetic. Not that yeah. they can't sing and not that these ladies weren't very attractive and very talented, but they could not speak English. And that's kind of a problem when you want to build a show around them in yeah, an for, English for market. Yeah, for comedy especially. Comedy is very culture specific, it seems to be. Right. Anyway. So that's how we got here. Uh, they shot, they filmed this in December 79. I don't know if they filmed all six episodes. There was actually only five ever made it to air. So there's actually a yeah, lost episode. Yeah, I read there was a six that they actually recorded that, that never aired yet. I couldn't find the actual television rating for it. Uh huh. Can't be good. No. Because, well, again, they canceled it after five episodes. Oh, God. So I guess we get right into the, to how we start. So the opening is the opening that we have is Pink Lady and Jeff. And I guess even the title is funny itself because they bet, went back and forth between management and Pink Lady's management that the show should be called Pink Lady. Yet it was often advertised as Pink Lady and Jeff. So... Yeah. In print advertising, it would say Pink Lady and Jeff. In show advertising, it just would be Pink Lady. And you, the first thing we see of them is, I think, 
really the perfect thing to, to do. You've got me and Kay, that's, that's their names, coming yeah. out in a car into one of the baseball stadiums and a packed crowd. Right. But that's like you're saying right away, yes, they may not be big here, but they're going to be because look what they did in Japan. And I think we should look at, too, 1980, the whole 80s for that matter, there was a lot of interest in Western culture towards Japan, like there kind of is in Korea right now. Okay. You know, because Japan, like in 1980, we had the horrible novelty song and bordering on offensive turning Japanese by the papers. Blade Runner came out that year, which basically insinuated that Japan was going to take over everything. Right. Uh, there, uh, Michael Crichton did a book about that that later became a movie. Uh, Jap- everyone was buying Japanese, everyone still buys Japanese cars, but a lot, and even in, I just rewatched uh, Back, the Back to the Future trilogy. Okay. And there is a line from, from Doc says, well, no wonder this, this part blew up. It's made in Japan. Marty McFly says, hey, all the good parts are made in Japan. Or all the good stuff. So yeah, yeah. There was I don't want to, I don't know if that obsession is the right word, but intrigue. It was, it was like a yeah. It was like a, a a fad. I guess fad is maybe not a good mm-hmm. word because fads don't last that long. But it was definitely a trend. And remember that movie with Michael Keaton? Was it called Gung Ho? Oh yeah. What wasn't that about? Like a Japanese mm-hmm. automaker taking over a, yeah. an American auto manufacturer. Yes. Yeah, it, it yeah, was. So, yeah. I think starring a pre, had a pre-Cheers George Went in it. Oh, wow. Oh, no, no, he wasn't Cheers then, but yeah. Yeah, and then there was, of course, the infamous Long Duck Dong from Breakfast Club. Or not Breakfast Club, sorry, 16 Candles. 16 Candles, yeah. Yeah. Played by the, played by the same guy, because he, he was the, the, the number two, two uh, lead in uh, Gung Ho. Getty, okay. Getty Watanabe. Okay, okay. Yeah. Why I know that, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's not like we had a slew of, you know, Japanese-American actors back in the 80s, so. God, no. No, no. I'm... Yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to say is if they were going to try to do this with any popular act in 1980 in the United States that was not American, or like from a non-English-speaking country, I should specify, sure. Uh, sure. Japan makes the most sense on the surface. So they do the opening crawl, then we see it's co-starring Jeff Altman, and then we see the, the, co- the special guests. These are not nobodies. Sherman Helmsley, uh, who at this point in time, I mean, yeah, I think as we got older, we, he would just do anything for, for a buck. But 1980 Sherman Helmsley was George Jefferson at the height of the Jeffersons. Yes, yes. He, you know, he was only 41 when they shot this. You know, I was I was trying to do the math of thinking yeah. how old would he have been, and yeah, I mean, he always seemed like an older than his age because in the seventies yeah. he seemed like he was in his forties. Well, I think Wheezy was twenty years older than him in real life. Oh, what, was she really? Yeah, I think so. Wow. Or or no, I'm conflating maybe ten years. I'm conflating that with uh, John Amos and Esther Roll. Okay. John okay. Amos was only thirty five when he took when he got that role. Wow, people people back then, they just seemed so much more, I guess, mature is the polite way of saying it, but people on TV back then seemed so much older than their actual age. In a lot of cases, well, we had Michael Chiklis who played, a, he was the commission age 27. Was he really? He was yeah. only 27. He was only 27 wow. then. So, I mean, it's just, we all age differently, but we all seem to catch up. But yeah. Because when George, when George, when, when Sherman Helmsley looked 60 at 40, he looked 60 at 60. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's all in the wash. But so yeah. this was a good get, is I guess what I'm trying to say. Right, uh, right. Blondie in 1980 had three number ones. Yes. So huge. Yeah. I don't know if any of them had come out yet. Because uh, what, what was her, her, their three number ones? uh call me which was probably out and then they the would have rapture yeah it, it, this was their year so getting them although they didn't really get them which we'll talk about was still a pretty big deal yeah and then the one i didn't know much about and we'll talk more about more about him later burt parks i only remember him from playing herb tarlick's dad on wkrp yeah i i sort of thought burt parks was a game show host um, I didn't know that much Close. about him, but apparently, 
Yeah. What'd you say? Close. Okay, but apparently him getting fired from hosting Miss America was a big deal because they made a big deal about it on, yeah. on the first even, episode. Yeah, because I, I had to look all up that because I'm thinking that's an interesting thing to bring up, but I guess we'll get there. So then Jeff, Min Jeff, Min Jeff Altman comes out solo and uh, jokes how his parents are, he wished his parents could be there, but they're, they're busy at the other studio watching Merv Griffin, which is probably more fun than watching yeah. Jeff. Uh, well, that was that was a running joke about him doing these self-deprecating, like nobody knows who I am, which I didn't know who he was before you suggested this either. I had no idea who he was. I, you know, I don't know what kind of career he's had since this, but I, yeah, I, I, yeah, we can talk about that now. Uh, so yeah. at this point leading up, he was he had a semi-recurring role in Dukes of Hazard as as Boss Hog's nephew. Jeff Altman did. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't realize that. It said semi-recurring. I don't remember it, but apparently he did. Uh, he was under contract with NBC, and he was a decent comedian in the LA area, so doing a lot in the comedy store. So, you know, back when the whole goal was to get on uh, Carson, I don't know if he ever did, but he became great friends with Letterman when they were both struggling. And Letterman, I this is where I remembered him, is because like I used to watch Letterman on NBC. That was especially on like Friday nights when I didn't have to go to school the next day. So like that was yeah. I yeah, loved watching Letterman, and yeah. Altman was a regular guest. Apparently, he was on forty-five times, forty-five or thirty-seven, okay. depending on which one's right. Because I've read them both. Okay. So I remember him there, and Altman just seems to me like he's one of those guys at a, at a party. He's the funniest guy there, but after hour one, you're done with him, <laughs> and then you look forward to maybe seeing him again, but then then you forget. Yeah. All right. Now, okay. Now tone it down, Jeff. You know, he seems yeah. like that type of guy. I think he's naturally funny, but you can kind of see why he didn't get past this. He, he I, I wrote down that to me, he's a poor man's Chevy Chase. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. Cause he's, he's relatively good looking. Mm -hmm. um, and he's more of a comedic actor. He seems, it seems like than an actual comedian. Mm -hmm. Like if he's given mater good material, he can pull it off. But I don't know that I could, I would like tune into like an hour stand up special of his. Yeah, I, I I've never seen him do a comedy, or maybe I have those A and E improv things. I, okay. I'm sure I have, but I, I nothing sticks out. But that he sure. was that type of guy. I mean, after this, he would get a the closest he ever got to stardom was another NBC show called Nurses. And yes, with Lonnie Anderson. Was Lonnie Anderson in that? Okay. I, I, I just know there was an NBC sitcom called Nurses with Lonnie Anderson that was a spinoff of Empty Nest. So oh, I don't know okay. if it's the same one, you know, because Nurses is a very generic title. It could have been, been another one. Well, it lasted a few years, but he only lasted one. Oh, wow. So they got rid of him. So wow. either way, I'm sure he got to make a living, still alive. So I'm sure he made a living as a comedian. I'm yeah. sure he went from club to club and did reasonably well he and i'm not i'm not here to to drag rag on jeff because he got to do something that most of us don't he loved he he got paid doing what he loved yeah yeah you know was it was he a big star no but he tried but he joked so that leads up to another joke he says hey no they joked that nobody knew who he was and then he did this one one bit too where he says like it oh no that came later when he, when he imitated cronkite i'll get to that later so did a pratfall, which I thought was pretty good. That might have been the highlight. That hit his very, head on the uh, chair. Very Jack Tripper. Yes. Pratfall. <laughs> and then so this, and now this is the American debut of Pink Lady. And take a look at this clip. And it's pretty much the same clip that they just had. Yes. Like you, you couldn't even show them singing. You couldn't show right. fans. Okay, you showed fans gushing them while they were in a car, but you, not while they're performing. You couldn't do that. Right, right. Like, I'm sure you were given some footage, but this is what you came up with? Yeah, and I, I read that RCA, which was their record label, owned NBC at the time. So it couldn't have been like a copyright issue. So like yeah. you said, why not? Because they were comparing, they were like trying to say they were to Japan what the Beatles were to right. England. So it's like, why not show, like you said, the screaming fan, a performance where they're screaming fans and showing like how the Beatles, you know, would just mesmerize they, their audience. Because they had it. 
I saw yeah. I saw an interview that the Crofts did about uh, about just about everything, but there was like five minutes about about uh, Pink Lady and Jeff. And yeah. before they shot anything, they took the the girls to Disneyland, and yes. there was a lot of Japanese fans there, and they mobbed them. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, too bad they didn't have footage of that, but just you're not going to get an idea of how popular they are from a three second car thing where they're not actually doing what they are, which is right. performers. It's just like, here's my fans, yay, that's it. It's, right. it's like trying to explain that Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player of all time by only showing the parade. Yes, yeah. So they, they're off to a crappy start right away. Uh, and then Jeff makes another, I don't, I don't know if it's a racially insensitive joke, just as I would like to have a tempura stand on that. Just lame. Lame ethnic jokes, like not. I wouldn't call this yeah. racist. Just lame. Yeah, I think for 1980, it was probably not considered racist. But if we look at it through, yeah, today's eyes, it's yeah. definitely yeah problematic, to say the least. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, they're going to open up with a traditional Japanese number. So they're in kimonos, sing in Japanese for about 10 seconds. Then take them off, and then they have Diane Carroll's old gowns from last episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're singing Boogie Wonderland. Right. And I wrote down why. The song choices that they gave them also did them no favors. For 1980 was a delineation point, too, for a lot of people. Disco was that music that everyone loved until they didn't love it anymore. And then yeah. it became cool to shit on disco. So you have yeah. them open with a disco song, trying to emulate, trying to replicate something that they can't do. You, they cannot do Earth, Wind, and Fire. Not saying that they they're bad. It's just there's a certain thing that they can do that Pink Lady can't. You did them no favors. Yeah. Yeah, and I kept I kept wondering like how was this show released in 1980 because all the all the pop culture history I have about disco is that by 79 disco was pretty much dead. Right. So it's just puzzling that you know they they apparently recorded this at the end of 79 and even then disco was on its way out and like you said it was cool to trash disco. So it's just kind of puzzling that they chose disco songs when obviously disco was really on its way if not, if not already dead but certainly on its way out then they had uh they have their own chorus group a bunch of average looking white girls that's what i wrote just sort of came out and just <laughs> crowded around yeah. and nothing was impressive it felt like uh going to atlantic city yeah exactly yeah and so then they, we finally get to talk to them jeff that was traditional japanese number me you didn't like the song Oh, I didn't know your noble ancestors had boogie fever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff then introduces both me and Kay. Uh, this is pretty clear to you that me had better English than Kay. You know, I, I didn't pick up on that, but it was, it was clear that they learned they just enough English to yeah. get through each episode and to phonetically sing each English mm -hmm. song or English language song that they were given. I think me so, got more of the lines. Okay. Yeah. So, so Jeff introduces and says, "Oh, you speak English?" Me says, uh, "Yes, I wanted to learn and study before." Jeff turns to Kay, "You speak English?" "Yes." "Do you?" <laughs> All right. And then she says, "We'll get better." So we've already also established too that they're trying to have one as the cute and agreeable one, and the other one as the sassy one, which right. also confused them from from what I researched because. They were doing everything in unison, very much like with what we see now in Korean pop. Yes. Where everything, it, well, Japanese pop too, because they did that first, I think. But, but like everything is very contrived and defined. And I think maybe what, that's also too, when we're watching this with 2021 eyes, uh, and I'm not, I don't know too much about BTS, but what I have seen them, you see what they can do and then what me and Kay can do. Well, we the evolution that's sort of taken place, it makes yeah. this look so low rent, even though they weren't for that time. Right, right. And I, I struggled a bit with that because I'm trying to think of the talent level 
or the talent expectation rather, I should say, mm -hmm. of 1980 compared to 2021. Like, did you find a bit of that? Because I was trying to. Well, it's all it's also hard to compare a duo and a group like what BTS has, like what, seven members. So when you have. Yeah, when you have like seven guys all syncopated dancing, I mean, that's almost like the Rockettes. So <laughs> trying to, to compare two people to a group of seven is not, you know, is not a fair comparison to begin with. And then second of all, they're completely, um, me and Kay are completely in a culture that they have no familiarity with. No, zero. And, and, and don't, are, are not fluent in the language. So yeah, I don't, I don't really think it's like a, a fair comparison but like you said, if we could have seen what they did back in Japan, some, some clips of that, then we would have maybe gotten a better gauge of what their talent level was. And, and that's on the producers. I mean, it didn't yeah. have, you could have easily come up with 10 or 15 seconds of something. Yeah. And they, could, they didn't do it. I, I don't yeah. know how they decided not to put that in and put in some of the other crap we saw. Here's then the mo most offensive thing. Uh, me talks about how handsome uh, Jeff is and Jeff says it's because of his round eyes. Yeah, that was that was wow. lame as hell. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. That was pretty bad. That was I was I kept watching Kay because every time she didn't have a line, she looked like she'd just rather be somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. And I think in one of his interviews, Jeff Altman said that he had more of a rapport with me. So maybe yeah. that was why me had all the lines, is because they got could along be. better. It, yeah. it, it could be. Uh, Croft's actually like K the best. Oh, <laughs> okay. But I, I think me just had the better command of English. So yeah. I, I, I could be wrong, but it seemed that way to me. Uh, then yeah. we have another cultural joke. Uh, they've introduced the, the bodyguard, a fat sumo guy. <laughs> uh, right, right. Because we're that's just not stereotypical at all. No, no. But I mean, in 1980, that's what was going to happen. I mean, like you, you right. mentioned with a long duck dong. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I this really precedes Long Duck Dong. Yeah. So Long Duck Dong hadn't even happened yet. And, you know, the Mickey Rourke character from Breakfast at Tiffany's was what, maybe 15 years ago? That was in the, Mickey was Rooney. the 60s or 50s. Mickey Rooney, Mickey not Rooney. Mickey Rourke. Oh, did I say Mickey Rourke? <laughs> yeah, Mickey Rooney. Yeah. I'm just trying to picture now Mickey Rourke trying to get into character for that. Because I, <laughs> I think he probably thinks he could play that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The ultimate method actor, yeah. Well, you got to hand it to him. I mean, like for the amount of damage he did to his own face on his on purpose. Oh and yeah. And he still managed to have a second career. Yeah. I mean, kudos to him. I. Yeah, you go and look at like the Pope of Greenwich Village, and it's just like it's not even the same. Doesn't even look no. like the same person. Or diner or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. It's. He was one of those guys that when a woman said, I, I, I've got a crush on him, you, and usually, you know, most men's reaction is, eh, but Mickey yeah. Work was that good looking that you could say, yeah, I get it. But stop looking yeah. at him, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. He, yeah, well, anyway. So they're behind it. So they use a green, so here's our first sketch. Uh, me and Kay, they're, I guess a green scheme behind, behind a boom box. And just, uh, I don't know what the song was. It said, turn up, turn on the radio. I, maybe it was made just for this. I, I'd never heard it before. Yeah, I honestly don't remember. Yeah. And it, it's just a way for them to do small little shticks. It reminded, I wondered if they were inspired by Ronan Martin's laughing. When they used When they used to do that, was it a cocktail party? And then they would just sort of lead to different shticks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just a quick little... Yeah, not even a full sketch, just like yeah. a bum little sting. Yeah. And so Altman does, I mean, pretty much all, this is the Jeff Altman show when it comes right down yeah. to it. And he's showing what he can do, some well, some not, does a preacher shtick, but he's not given good material. I mean, he shows that he can right. do it, but there's nothing funny coming out of his mouth. And it's pro that's not, probably not his fault. Right. Uh, they go back to the song and then he plays a punch drunk boxer. And then they repeat the same shtick, the same joke. Because he's interviewed by this one woman. I, I looked up her name and then she never did anything else. So I left my mind. She's in a trench coat. And then the joke is that he, he, he his, his mom used to beat him up. And then so she says, oh, so uh, you, you don't like women? 
oh, I love women. Oh, and then I like boxers. She takes off the, the trench coat and she's in a gown. Yeah. And so, like, okay. But then, yeah. Then Jeff Altman's excited by this. And then not so much because he takes the pig he was beaten up, like the pig, like a, a la Rocky, not. Right, not, right. Yeah. Carcass or whatever you call it. To a salad bar. Okay. Yeah, yeah and I, I couldn't figure out if his accent was supposed, was obviously supposed to be a little bit of a takeoff on Stallone, but it also sounded like he was like trying to imitate like a, a black boxer. I, got and I, that did, too. I did not appreciate that at all. I, I mean, got that like, too. Yeah, yeah, it was like he was trying to do a combination of Stallone and like Leon Spinks or something. And I just, well, yeah. You mentioned Leon later. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. And it's, uh, there was definitely a black inflection. I was going to ask you if you sort of picked up on that. Yeah, I, that was, that was another problematic thing for me. Mm -hmm. uh, then they, the girls sing again. Uh, then it goes to another thing of the girls singing as the Supremes. And again, don't do this to them. They can't do Diana Ross. Right. This is not right, what right. they're capable of. Right. I mean, we saw some things that they could do later that I thought, but this is not good. Well, I think they were just trying to draw an analogy between like what's a, what's a mega popular American girl you know, that would be the equivalent of what May and K or me and K were to Japan. And, you know, what were they going to do, Heart, at that point? I mean, <laughs> well, at that point, no, okay, yeah, because Heart's pop stuff was in the 80s, but before that, hmm. they were rock. Yeah, I wonder, yeah I wonder if they could have done Barracuda. I can't, I just could not see me and K doing Barracuda. It would not, <laughs> I just, I don't think they could have pulled that off. I mean, they couldn't pull off mm -hmm. the Supremes that well, let alone a, a hard rock tune I, like that. I was, Another one of my notes, I thought, like, thank God they didn't put him in blackface. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was something I could have seen them try, trying to do. Not, the, not the girls, the producers. And they wouldn't yeah. have had any idea that that's offensive. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So then we have uh, three black male dancers. And, okay, well, where, where are they going to go with this? So maybe they're going to sing sing with me and Kay, or they're going to do something with that. No, it leads to Altman doing a Richard Nixon impression. I'll give him credit. Actually, Altman can move. Mm -hmm. he, he was uh, yeah. dancing a bit with them. Again, it's bad material. As Nixon's not, we've seen, we've seen so many people do Nixon. Uh, one line I did chuckle at, uh, he's trying to say that it's like the temptations with Richard Nixon, and it's all on tape, because I put everything on tape. Right, that's good. That was the only good line. Yeah. yeah, and Altman, I mean, Altman said that he worked some of his uh, act into the show. So I think that he said that came from his act. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, and we get back to me and Kay asking where the stars are. And then Sherman Helmsley comes out, and that's where I wrote down only 41. And then there, me and Kay look so excited to see him. Like they, like they had any idea who the Jeffersons were. Right, right. There's no way that show was shown in Japan. Not yeah. a chance. Yeah. That wouldn't mean anything. That was actually one of my favorite shows as a kid. Mine too. Yeah. And I was wondering, I guess networks just, I don't know if that's still the case, but networks weren't that competitive back then where this was this show was on NBC, but they, mm -hmm. the Jeffersons was on CBS. And later they had, oh. I read they had Larry Hagman from Dallas as a, yeah. as a guest star. Um, so yeah. networks, I guess, didn't mind crossover or they just felt like if somebody was well-known, they didn't care what network they were on because it would draw ratings to, to their I, I, network. I would think so. I, or maybe just how, how contracts work back then. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. Because I just, I just was, I would have assumed that a variety show would have tried to shoe hint, shoehorn every star from the network you know, to promote their own shows into the variety show, whether they worked or not, especially the debut episode. But yeah, yeah no, maybe there were only three networks back then. So true. It's hard for people to imagine that now. Now kids are asking, what's a network? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and then so Sherman says, you have any questions for me about America? Me asks a question. The dumbest question that, well, maybe not the dumbest question, but it's up there. 
Is it true that they might draft women in the U.S. military? Well, first off, the draft was over by then. Right. <laughs> Second, that's the question you're going to ask? And why are you right. asking Thir Sherman Helmsley? He's an actor. How the hell does he know? Yeah. So we say, yeah. sure, maybe in a USO show. So we get another skit. Imagine being yeah. in, the, in the crowd watching this. Yeah, that would have been cringy for sure. Like just all the cuts too, because mm -hmm. you're not getting through this in 30 minutes. Yeah. Like, I guess there, it's got to be like two, two and a half hours of that. I found, before I go any further, I found an interview with somebody who was actually in, the, who was actually attended this. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if he attended as part of the crowd or he got to go backstage with the crew, I think was backstage with the crew. And the crew were actually making a lot of offensive jokes. About me and Kay or? Yeah. That's, that's horrible. And so like, so basically when they would screw up lines cause they'd have to do things over, they would sure. say, uh, one of them would say, well, that's why we won the war. <laughs> wow, just, wow. Really stuff that just shows the mentality of some people towards other cultures, other than just saying, yeah. well, don't you want this to succeed? You kind, if this succeeds, or maybe they just knew the writing was on the wall. There was no, there was no way this was gonna be a hit. Yeah, and that just that just kind of shows why it didn't succeed is because instead of trying to like organically capture what made me mm -hmm. and Kay successful in Japan, it was just like a cash grab. Like, oh, if they're you know if they're popular in Japan, they'll be popular here. So let's just throw them up on TV and put them with some random comedian and who just happens to have a deal with us and see what sticks to the wall and works. Yeah. Uh, so then we actually have a bunch of women at a bar. I guess they're trying to make the joke of, uh, well, see, this this is what it would be like if women are all in the military. <laughs> yeah, so it's women acting like men, basically. Basically. Jeff Altman comes out and he's playing Mr. Macho and the women all are going nuts for him. Uh, I'll say this about Jeff. I mean, he might've known that this was bad, but at the end of that night, how does he not feel good about his looks? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is the way they played this. Like he, like they made him, made him off like he's Tom Selleck, putting it they in. They did throughout the whole, throughout, throughout, at least this episode. They made it seem like he's this hunk that women just can't get enough of. Whether it was the reporter interviewing him as the boxer, mm -hmm. or me and Kay, you know, we can talk about that later. You know, coaxing him into the hot tub. They just see, they made it seem like yeah, like he was Tom Selleck, as you said. Well, I guess, you know, if that's the only, if they only had a pool of just one white guy to choose from, then he is. <laughs> I don't know what to say. And then, oh, great use of Sherman Helmsley here. He uh, comes out with those three black dancers before, and the, he's not singing, he's lip syncing the bugle right. woogie babe of company. I think they even changed C yeah. to B. Dang. Yeah. And these all, they're all dressed like Angus Young from ACDC. I couldn't figure it out. Like, what, what? Well, I think they were trying to do like the male version of the Anderson sisters, like, you uh, know, how, how the 40s had those like kind of doo wop groups. So okay. they were, that was, you know, how boys dressed back then with the little sock, with the little shorts and the, the knee socks. So that's what that I think was a reference to, but. I, I, yeah. I, I read that they paid Larry Hagman a hundred thousand to get him. I hope Sherman got this. And gave him, and gave him a TV movie deal to, Oh, Larry really? Hagen well, said, I'm not, okay. Yeah, because Larry Hagman said, I'm not going to do this unless there's something else in it for me. I wonder, wonder what the TV movie was. I don't know. I Dream of Jeannie, The Reunion. <laughs> they, did, they did one. They did do one. Maybe that was it. And that was the contract yeah. fulfilled. But yeah, Sherman's yeah. getting his paycheck. Whatever they paid him, it wasn't enough. Yeah, for sure. Like, they're just terrible use of this great comedic actor. Yeah, well, underused, definitely. He was only in like a few sketches, right? Yeah. Now, then we get Burt Parks. So we talked about Burt Parks because uh, Jeff's going to introduce Burt Parks and the girls tell the truth. They say they don't know who he is. Jeff mentions that uh, he was fired from Miss America. So I, I read into more of that. Apparently, Johnny Carson tried to get him reinstated which was sort of interesting, got a big petition to do it, but I guess whoever ran it, I don't know who ran Miss America. Can you believe that's still a thing? Like, yeah, I don't even think, I don't think it airs on broadcast TV anymore. I think it airs on like 
T the country network, the whatever it is, TBN or whatever the country music network is? Well, Burt Parks, the network, whoever network it was, got rid of him basically. Oh, they, they did hear him dirty too, because he found out apparently when he was on vacation and heard it on the oh, radio. Wow. So like that's it's a pretty awful thing to do. And they were citing that they wanted to go younger. And to the to the executive's credit, I think if I'm looking at Burt Park singing, here she is, Miss America, I'm getting creepy vibes myself. But it was tradition and people seemed to like it. And, and so, so that was the purpose of having the stunt double do the cartwheel when Burt Parks right. made his entrance, right? To yeah. show he's still young and virile. He can it do was, a cartwheel even though he can't. It was a stunt double. Well, Burt actually, I, I if anyone gets an A, it was Burt because I thought yeah. Burt was showing off a lot of it, a lot of entertaining. He was the most likable person out of yeah. all of the all of these people. Like he's the guy I, I wish. I, I think a game we could play at the end is who do we want to have dinner with, and just out of granted, out of the cast. Yeah, <laughs> granted, they're all most, a lot of them are dead, but you know, well, no, no, the Pink Lady's still alive, Jeff's still alive, mm -hmm. I think, but Bert Sherman and Bert and Sherman are dead. But yeah, so he tells he tells that story, uh, gets an age joke from Jeff. Uh, then this leads up to another dumb sketch, uh, a, the culture spot. So I guess where this is where Altman's trying to do put on a Jersey accent or use car salesman thing. I don't really know quite what he's doing. Right, right. And, and it, can, it, it can, the intro confused me because when they said, how about our culture spot? I think it was me that said that. I'm thinking, oh, they're going to do something in Japan. She said, our culture spot. And then it turns out it's just like you said, some used car salesman trying to sell, sell knockoff painting. Yeah, about yeah. art. So like, here's I got a Venus de Milo only with arms. I got a blue boy, but it's red. And then it leads into yeah. another sketch within a sketch of him doing a Marlon Perkins ripoff. And then, ooh, he he's got balls on this one. He says, uh, "We're going to look for John Belushi's career." Oh yeah, referencing 1941, an yeah. underappreciated film that was not exactly a bomb, but not great. And Belushi had the Blues Brothers come out later this year. And Jeff Altman just had his NBC deal. Maybe right, right. taking a shot at Belushi wasn't the smartest thing. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think a comedian, you want to take a shot at a comedian after one misstep who's several rungs ahead of you. Well, I think with a variety show, you have to have like, you know, some pop culture at that time, trendy mm -hmm. stuff that you can make fun of. So that was the Burt Parks thing because he had just yeah. apparently been fired or that was a recent yeah. thing so yeah that was sort of like you had to incorporate you know pop culture inside jokes kind of stuff or mm -hmm. stuff that the audience would would kind of you know be familiar with uh, but, but, but like you said it was not a it was not a cool thing to do no no it's uh, like really like that's that's the shot you're taking but uh, maybe, maybe uh i think that movie is sort of aged better in time but all right, so then we get uh, Blondie, who are clearly not there. Yes. Uh, it it yeah. seemed to me like sort of like almost like an early music video mm -hmm. because it wasn't a straightforward performance of them just standing on stage in front of an audience. If they had like that shot of, you know, because there's some kind of song about like a factory or whatever, and they had the, sh the shot of Blondie laying on a conveyor, uh, not Blondie, yeah. De Deborah Harry yeah. laying on a conveyor belt. Um, so yeah, it seemed like a, an early music video. Yeah, which, which I think they all were, because I know on uh, okay. two, uh, the cheap, cheap trick was doing Dream Police. Blondie did another okay. one. So it was just, yeah, an early video that I guess they got the rights to show before okay. MTV, before someone came up with the idea of, of MTV. So right. it was just like another promotional video, like, okay, well, we'll, we'll give you the rights to it. We'll pay you X, X amount, I'm sure. It was the deal that yeah. they made. And again, that's about as big a group as you're going to get in 1980. Right. Uh, it wasn't a hit song. Actually, this I looked this up. The song uh, Shayla was never even released as a single. Really? Really? So I thought that was sort of interesting for them to do a promotional video on something that they never actually released. But yeah, yeah. that like, was buried on this variety show that no one's going to watch. Well, yeah, it's pretty low on my questions. That I had. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get another bad sketch. Uh, the girls are now thieves. 
And Altman's trying to do a Columbo accent. The gag is that he holds onto a rope and then goes, takes a pratfall out a window. Mm-hmm. At this point, I, I stopped watching. I took a break. <laughs> and I said to my wife, I gotta watch, I gotta watch more of this later. I actually had her watch a bit of this. because uh, she uh, she's Indonesian. So she grew up in Indonesia, came to Canada when she was 24. No, when she was 18, I met her when she was 24. Uh, so she's seen a lot of this type of entertainment growing up. Okay. So okay. I just wanted and she wasn't familiar with them. So I want to say, like, do they seem talented to you? Because like I'm trying, I'm trying to take off my 2021 lens and she said it just looks like a lot of stuff i watched growing up because they've got a lot of chinese japanese korean and they're you're you're referring to the pink lady yeah yeah not the not the not the comedy i didn't make her watch that okay i just had her watch a couple like a pink lady sing okay and then she said well you can she asked me if they spoke english said i don't think so said well they're doing pretty good for that so you know just put that a bit more of a different perspective uh altman now comes out as carson doesn't do a very good carson yeah he doesn't quite have the johnny carson uh cadence down no. he has some of his little ticks and quirks hmm. but uh yeah it doesn't really have the cadence bring out me and Kay, and they do the same shtick and they say they don't know who carson is which i'm sure they don't and then they ask for bill cosby to come back. oh my god i guess he was a guest host at some point uh yeah. he, me and Kay, you're lucky. That worked out well for you. That you yeah. did not meet Bill Cosby <laughs> and whatever drink he was going to pour you. Uh, uh, to put things in perspective, I asked Chris if he wanted to do a Cosby show episode. He said, no, no Cosby. But here he is. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that yeah. when I sent it to it's like, it's like we, It's like we can't escape him. He's just, yeah, he's everywhere. I'm just going to do a segue. Especially on NBC. Yeah, I'll I'll do one segue though before we get back. What's ruined for you more, Fat Albert or The Cosby Show? You know, I didn't really grow up on Fat Albert. I saw bits and pieces of it when I was a kid. So it wasn't like, you know, like ingrained in my uh, childhood the way The Cosby Show was. So definitely The Cosby Show was Uh definitely, I could not imagine Cliff doing those horrible things. And Mm -hmm. to make it so bad, Cliff was, wasn't he an obstetrician? So (laughs) here's a woman's doctor. You know, that, that should have told us right there. He could have said, well, I want to play, I'm going to play a doctor. Which type? The pussy doctor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was, I'm sure that's what he was thinking, or maybe not. For me, it's the opposite. Fat Albert was ruined the most because okay. everything was always a moral lesson from Bill. Sure. And sure. now I get, you can't listen to Bill's morality. No. Well, I mean, that was that was also the thing of what of what kind of started the whole chain of events that led to him going to jail was his going around moralizing, you know, criticizing what black people name their children, you know, pull your pants up and you're killing each other over a piece of pound cake. It's like yeah. he has all the all this moralizing. And then it was another comedian, another black comedian, Animal Burris, who said, you know, you're you're going around lecturing black America or you're going around raping people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's what set off the chain of events of the He was the never, led, yeah, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that, no, I was just gonna say, that's what started the chain of events that led him ultimately ending up in jail, you know, now released, but. Well, he was never supportive of any black comedian, now that I think about it. He, he used well, to I, I definitely, Yeah, definitely, I, you know, Eddie Murphy talked about his, yeah. the, Bill's criticism of him and then also of Richard Pryor. Yeah, a prior also too uh, of Deaf Comedy Jam later when that came out. Right, right, right. So, like, did he want to have the market cornered as America's black comedian, or? Well, I think it was he was into that respect respectability politics thing, but it's just so such hypocrisy doesn't even begin to describe it. I mean, it's like if you're a serial rapist and you're preaching respectability politics, then that's yeah, <laughs> no one's gonna listen to you. Yeah. Well, moving on. So they uh, sh- they show a commercial that they shot the girl shot in Japan for a product that I have no idea what it was. Even Jeff Altman, as Carson said, I don't know what that was. I still don't know what it was. Do you? No. It looked it looked like a it looked like a like a maybe an early Walkman, like maybe, maybe. some kind of portable radio. But I I, I really help. couldn't get a sense. Couldn't but they, sh- they show a clip of that, but they won't show a clip of a performance of them in Japan. 
like again, like what's the point? Okay, well, they're big enough to do a commercial in Japan. Well, so do a lot of unknown actors shilling stuff. Like that right, right. is nothing. Like, right. You're doing nothing to show off what made these two special. Right. But at, at the end of this, we still don't know. Unless yeah. we actually go looking to, uh, for some of their old concert footage, which I'll admit I didn't bother doing. This didn't inspire me to do it. Uh, and I probably won't. 24 hours in a day, I'm going to choose to do other things with my time. Like, talk about yeah. them. Right. Uh, then they say they've got a comedian. And it's Sheki Nakamoto. And I said, wait a minute, I know this guy. Because I've seen, I've, I'm a MASH fan, fanboy. Okay. And so, like, I've seen this guy. He was on MASH, like, 11 times. Wow. Because they kept okay. recycling the same Asian actors. Playing so, different roles. Yeah, but it... Yeah, always playing a different role or in a background thing. Uh, they weren't, most of them weren't even Korean. Although this guy was, but now it's a Korean playing a Japanese, which oh, okay. is as we sort of sort of evolved with that. Now they, I guess we're looking more for authenticity when it comes yeah. to that type of, of roles. But more often than not, it just wasn't. Remember when Margaret Cho had a show briefly? Yeah, it was a terrible American girl. That might be one to look at because that was a mess. And so, like, her father was a Japanese actor, also who was in MASH a bunch, Clyde Kusatsu. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, his, his, the mom, I believe, was Chinese. The brother I, the brother was B.D. Wong, who be, did, wound up doing very well for himself. Yes. So I don't think even any of her family was actually Korean. Interesting. I don't know. The grandmother, I don't know. I mean, her last name's Hill, so I don't, I never really looked at her. She, and she's always working. Yeah, I, I do remember seeing the grandmother in different things after yeah. that. Yeah, but so I wonder now if they were gonna, if they were to try that again, if mm -hmm. they would try to at least make sure you're casting all Korean. Here they well, did. I don't know. I don't know about the. I don't know about the cast of Fresh Off the Boat. If they were all the ethnicity that they were playing, um, well, yeah, wait, that'd be interesting to to look up. I'm gonna guess Rand, just with his last name, Randall Park isn't. Yeah, who knows? Because sometimes, know. yeah, people end up with them. last names for, you know, can be any number of reasons. Or they, yeah. they anglicized it for their career. Yeah, that, that could be true, too. So who knows? I mean, I, either way, it's just like, I know this guy. Uh, so yeah, I looked him up, give him a little bit of pride. He's still alive. Richard Lee Sung. He's 90 oh, wow. years old. So wow. he tells a joke in, which would also explain why his Japanese didn't seem so good. Because he's not. Okay, okay. <laughs> The girls laugh and then he does a second joke and nobody laughs and then he just dances like a buffoon. Jesus. All right, me is writing a letter back home and they went to the famous and said to her family, they're going to the famous Schwab's drugstore. And I had to go back like, huh? And apparently this was, this was a drug, a pharmacy that became a, a big hangout for Hollywood uh, people in the early 80s, in the late 70s. Yeah. Well, Schwab's was supposedly, wasn't that supposedly where Lana Turner was um, discovered? But then that, that turned out to be an urban legend that, okay. that Lana Turner was discovered like sitting at Schwab's uh, drinking a milkshake and like some mogul mm -hmm. came in and said, oh, you should be a movie star. But that turned out, she, she later said that wasn't how she was discovered. Did she say how she was? I didn't get that far <laughs> into the uh, interview, but um, yeah. I just read that that was an urban legend. So then Burt Parks is back. Uh, he's, look, I wrote down, he looks like he's selling ice cream to little boys in the outfit that they, <laughs> they, they put him in. The pink pink thing with the, with the paper hat. Yeah. Uh, but Burt's doing his job. He sings about when movies were movies. Uh, I wrote down also to me and Kay had to be wondering who they pissed off in life. <laughs> it's like this, almost like art, imita art imitating itself. Cause she's saying like, this was Hollywood. It's not what I expected to be. I'm sure this was not what they expected yeah. it to yeah. be. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, they do a Kissinger voiceover. I don't understand why I didn't get the joke. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, but you know, Bert was doing what Bert could do, you know, just, mm -hmm. he's not a great singer, but he doesn't have to be because he's got that delivery where mm -hmm. it's, you believe everything he's trying to tell you. 
Yes. Sort of that like lounge singer kind of voice where they can't really sing, sing, but it's just, yeah, like I said, it's more the delivery and their persona. He was, this was actually, he was my favorite performer of the night. He's my MVP if we're going to actually have one. All right. And then they do a weird, I didn't get this one either. We have Eliza Minnelli impersonator who's. I thought, yeah, I noticed that. Like, and then says James Hunt, James something or other won an award at Helmsley, and he's just making fun of vapid actors. But he opens up by saying, "Don't come up here and be political," which, wow, that's the exact opposite of what we do now. Yeah. yeah. And then went into a bit how everything's all much so much better now that I've won this award, and I didn't get it. I didn't get what point they were trying to make. Yeah, like you said, they were just trying to make fun of self-absorbed actors. Uh, So Altman comes back, does a pretty bad Cosell imitation, interviews uh, someone who's trying to be like Marilyn Monroe, and Mm -hmm. again, talk about the the vapidness of these people, how she wants to play the mice and mice and men, because she doesn't understand (laughs) that what the book really is, of course, so. Yeah. Parks is now a casting director. The gag is that he's casting a crowd. That I actually thought was funny. A crowd of people working together as a crowd. Yeah, I've never seen that before. So that was the first thing I ever saw that was, I'm going to guess is original. That that bit. Yeah, because I've never seen anyone do that. And then it was very Mel Mel Brooks-ish. Kind of blazing saddles kind of shtick. That, that, was, that wasn't bad. And then they're all singing again, all together, but like two versions of them. And like bad, you know, I mean, they were just happy they figured out one little thing how to edit. So look at that. Right. We've got me and Kay singing over top of me and Kay and Jeff's on top of Jeff. And what, there's two birds and there's two Shermans? What? Yeah. <sighs> Those chorus singers just absolutely suck. All right, Jeff is with the girls again and says, I think we'll make a great team. Kay, in the most wor- most accurate line of the night, says, don't bet on it. <laughs> uh, Pink ladies say they've got a special treat, and this was creepy. They start singing, you've got a friend. More something that they can do, but yeah. they start singing to just Jeff, who doesn't know what to do with himself. I think at one point he was looking down knees top. I'm pretty sure of it. Wow. I, I could be wrong, but he's just standing there like an idiot. I mean, I don't know what I would do either in that situation. Where yeah. These two girls who I don't know that well are singing to me, you've got a friend, and well, you really don't. <laughs> They're not friends. Uh, they walk away, then they come back. And then this was, I thought, their best number of the night uh, where they did uh, Don't Stop Believing, which they wasn't so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, covering Fleetwood Mac and then knock on wood. Oh, 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 yeah. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, did I say don't stop believing? Yeah. Yeah, I went Journey when I should have went Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, I went, I went Mickey Rourke when I should have said Mickey Rooney earlier. So. <laughs> uh, uh, I, th- I thought even though they, they did knock on wood, I thought better than Boogie Wonderland. But it was still, again, you're, you're discoing it up. You yes. Don't do this. Don't do this to these poor girls when you know, even you shot this in 79, you know this is not going to go well. It's not going to be received well. Also, too, I was looking up, this was on at 10 o'clock. Wow. So I assume it lost to Fantasy Island because that what it was up against. But 10 o'clock on Friday night. So who's watching this? Yeah, because variety shows I thought were supposed to be aimed at kind of like a family audience. Right. So, so NBC must have not had much, much faith in it, even though it was created by the head mm-hmm. of NBC. They just, once they saw it, I guess they were like, let's bury it. Because like that is also the, you bury that in a time slot. I don't think it would have done yeah. any better if it was on, let's say, well, eight o'clock. Right. But at least the people who might have been interested in a family-friendly variety show would have watched it right so again they did them no favors like right from right from the start 
Uh, Altman thanks everybody. Uh, we know that the dancers are the peacock dancers because of course they are for NBC. Uh, oh, me and Kay have got a new surprise, another Japanese custom. And this is where, Jesus. If this show wasn't bad and ex I don't want to say exploitive, but now it is. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's the tradition of the hot tub, which did it originate in Japan? I don't know. I know a lot of people were getting hot tubs in the 80s. I don't know. Yeah, did you see the interview with Altman where he said this, this was someone's idea of merging Eastern and Western culture? Because he said hot tubs were such a trend in the 80s in America. No, I didn't and see then, that. And then hot tubs were either originated or popular in, in Japan at the time. So someone thought, oh, both both pe people from both cultures will understand this or be able to relate to this hot tub thing. So no, all it was was it was for them to get get into their skimpy bikinis. That's all this yeah. was. Yes. Uh, and a chance to see them now. Again, who is this for? Is 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 it for the pervy adults who are watching this? Like, all right, well, I'm right. gonna come in next week so I can just see this maybe for 10 seconds again. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. that much of a perv, are they? Well, yeah, I'm sure they are, but. <laughs> and then also it goes back to them acting like um, Jeff Altman is like this hunk that these two very attractive women like have to coax into a hot tub. Oh no, I, I don't even remember the excuses he was giving for why he didn't want to get into the hot tub because he was okay. wearing a tux. He's wearing a tux. Uh, he says he can't swim, just like bad jokes. And then he really yeah. gets into it when the two of them are start taking off his clothes, which we never did finish because it goes into the end credits. But at this point, I guess we're sort of believed that Jeff Altman had the night of his life. Well, the bodyguard popped up, didn't he? I thought that's what happened is the bodyguard, the sumo wrestler popped oh, did up. I, and yeah, yeah, I don't know how to even have caught that. I think at that point I, had, I was like this watching because I was just like, <laughs> why did they do this? Yeah, because in one of the interviews I saw with Altman, he said that he thought it would have been funny as a one-time thing to close out one episode, yeah. but he, he said it was a mistake to make it a running gag. He said mm -hmm. it just, it wasn't that funny to begin with, but it could have been okay for one time, but mm -hmm. they kept trying to, you know, force it into every, sh at the end of every show. And I wonder what me and Kay's, what their perception of, of it was. Was it, was, was it just like- I'm trying to find it. Yeah, what, what did they, you know, I wonder if they felt objectified or they just thought, okay, um, you know, this is know. this is I, what we're being asked to do, so we'll do it. That that's 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 a pretty good question. I, I I don't know what they thought of it. I'm sure they thought this was not what they signed up for. I mean, if you're going to do a, they probably did, they probably didn't know what a variety show was. Well, maybe they did. They might have known what a variety show was, but if I would think that if someone were to hire, if I'm putting myself in their shoes, okay, you're going to hire me to be the center point of something. Well, what do I do well? Yeah. Well, I, I sing songs, uh, I sing a lot of them in Japanese. I can do contemporary stuff, but it's not my strength. So not only that, they didn't even get to do their own songs. Maybe try it. I mean, if you're already saying to the, to the people, well, no, you've got to do something in English. Well, you hire two people who don't speak English. Yeah. So try something. Yeah, Altman said in one of his interviews that he thought it was a lost opportunity. They mm -hmm. didn't get to sing in their own language because he said, mm -hmm they had a difficult time obviously learning the the um, american songs phonetically and he said they were much better in their own in their, when they did their own material but the networks didn't want to the network didn't want to take the chance that that might turn off the audience but why even have them on a show well exactly i mean i get yeah. that thinking but then then why put yourself in that position in the first place yeah you don't yeah. think that uh, if you don't want them to be too japanese then don't get japanese yeah like I, I don't know how else to sort of point this out. I wonder if this was just like Fred's idea and he just sort of said, okay, I want them on TV. And then he just left and washed his hands of it and just said, you yeah. can't do what you want. Cause I don't, I don't think he did much of anything. Yeah, I think I think it was, that was a that was the whim of the, the, the head guy at the network and yeah. no one was in a position to tell him no. Mm -hmm. And it was like, they just kind of slapped it together and threw it on the air. Cause you would have think if RCA you know, thinking this is going to launch this group, you know, that's so huge in Japan, this is going to launch them in America, that RCA would have been smarter about it. Like, hey, let's have them go on tour, open for someone huge, and then maybe the following season, do this as like a summer replacement. Don't try to, because I think this was in the, the spring of 80. Yeah, like, it was as in a, like March, a, so. 
I don't know what. Yeah, so it's like, why not? Why not put it on this in the summer where there's a reruns on anyway, and then maybe people have a chance of discovering it. So it just doesn't make sense that RCA wasn't smarter about trying to launch uh, Pink Lady in America. Well, like, they set them up to fail. Yeah, they truly did. Which, from every, but this was a failure. This is going to be a failure anyway. But all the things they could have done, they didn't yeah. do, or yeah. at least they, they didn't try. I mean, maybe it's like like you you're, I'll use a Jordan analogy. It's like you know you're going to go up one on one against Jordan. Maybe, you're, but you're not even trying to get a bucket. Yeah, you know, like you're you know you're going to lose, but at least try to get a shot off. They didn't even do that. Right, this was right. a mess in every way, way since the word. Uh, who's your MVP? My, for me, it's Parks. He was the only person who I, I thought at least fit and didn't embarrass himself. Uh-huh. Um, I'll actually go for Altman because I actually thought he committed to the material. It, it wasn't great material, but I do think he saw this as like his chance to like be a breakout comedy star and he kind of went for it. As you said, me and Kay were just kind of like, they were just kind of thrown into it and just yeah. trying to get through it. Yeah, they were deer in uh, Yeah, for sure. Uh, and they're not even, to me, the LVP. Uh, the <laughs> volleyball player. I, I've got Sherman, which is unfortunate because okay. though through no fault of his own. Yeah. You know, or just even the, of some of the background people they had. It was just awful. Uh, so I guess that goes back to then. Whose fault is this? Yeah, Fred Silverman. Yeah, I mean, I Fred Silverman thought it, for him it was just a cash grab. He thought, mm-hmm. okay, this group that's huge in Japan, well, it will just automatically translate to America because fans are fans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not even thinking, what's a creative way? Let's do a concert special or let's do a, you know, behind that the scenes. That would have been of, a good idea. Yeah, behind the scenes of what makes this group a phenomenon. No, you could, you could, yeah, they could have done that, put that in an early time. That would have been a really good idea. Like just introduce right. them that way, see if it sells. Yeah. One off and you not and you didn't commit that much money to it. Yeah. That would just have been have, a good idea. Yeah, and just have Altman be like the, the host and you know, like an award show host. Well, they don't even have yeah, they don't even have to put Altman in there. They could just sort of like do like right, 30 right. minute. Uh, concert thing, just see how that goes and see and, and see what the reaction is. Right. And then you're not taking them out because what happened to them? They broke up a year after. Did they really? Yeah, I don't know if it had to do with that, but also changing tides because even in Japan too, uh, sounds changed. They they lost out on months where they could be promote promoting themselves, but they re- right. they did reunite multiple times. No one needs to feel bad for them. They made millions, sold millions, and they tried. They tried to make it in the U.S. I mean, like that's what a lot of acts, at least in Canada, we're, we were taught. If you don't make it in the yeah. U.S., it doesn't matter. It's not so much yeah. that way now, but it was certainly that way then. And then there's definitely that that language bias in the United States of if something is in another language, it has. I mean, first of all, it's just hard to for it to break for anything to break through anyway, especially if it's like not well-known people, but then you add a language barrier. People in the United States just still have that language bias. If it's not in English, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just hard to break through, mm-hmm. unfortunately. I well, mean, how many, how many I, I can't name any, in the past 40 years, I can maybe name 99 Luff Balloons and Macarena as <laughs> a couple blues. of songs that were in another language that, you know, made the top 10 in America. But th- those are also flukes. Yeah. And, and, and kind of, Macarena is definitely a novelty song. <laughs> Mac- well, yeah, n- neither of them necessarily thought that they were, were looking for American stardom, I don't think. Right, you know? right. But, you know, like now, what was it, two years ago, the, I still have, I've got to see this movie, so I haven't. Parasite won Best Picture. Yeah. So, you know, thinking has certainly changed, but 1980, the U.S. wasn't ready for this. No. They, they, they just weren't, and if they were going to try, they didn't even make the effort, or didn't know how. Right. It's, it's like Silverman came up with this idea, said, okay, go for it, and then Silverman never checked on his baby. Yeah. That's what I think happened. That's what I yeah. honestly think happened. The Crofts didn't want to do it. Me and Kay, I'm sure once they realized they weren't really allowed to sing much of their own stuff. Yeah. 
like you got to think of what the hell are we doing here? Right. And it's a shame because rather than it being like a true attempt at diversity, like I said, it was just a cash grab thinking that you're going to have the, the equivalent of the Japanese Beatles that are going to make your network a ton of money. And if you're going to have the Japanese Beatles, maybe get some something that sounds comparable to the Japanese Beatles. This right, wasn't right. it. They yeah. just were not going to be successful in the U.S. in 1980. Yeah. Even maybe 1990 or even 2000. I don't know. Uh, could it work now? No. Because <laughs> it not, not as a variety show. Yeah, I can't see someone just taking BTS and just putting them in a, in a show and just throwing it up on a network and thinking but, because they're BTS, it's, it's you know, people are going to flock to it. But they, their fans would because they know who they are. Because they, True. Yeah. like, uh, you're on Twitter. That's what we met, like, was on Twitter when we first started interacting. So, like, how many yeah. times do you log in on Twitter and you see things that are trending and it's like, what the hell is this? And it's all yeah. about K-pop. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't, so those I've got to believe that if, let's say NBC tried that today with BTS, yeah, would they get a good rating? Well, a lot better than what Pink Lady did. Right. Because they've already got a fan base established. I mean, the, the horse well, is already in front of the cart at this point. Right. So, but you look at something like In the Heights. In the Heights was already a Tony, Tony Award winning musical. And it, oh, was you know, it? Basically, I didn't even know that. Yeah, it did. It, it didn't do, it didn't open well and it didn't get much viewership on HBO Max from what I from what I read anyway. Mm -hmm. So even something that has a built-in audience in the age of social media where we can, you know, fans ourselves can make things trend if, if enough of us are excited about it. Even that didn't do well. Well, I know this. Next time we do this, it ain't a variety show. I don't oh, know yeah. what it's going to be yet. Uh, we'll all come up with something equally trashy. I've got an idea and I'm going to look to see if I can find it. Because the one I really wanted to do that I sent you, I can't find it anywhere, which is who wants to marry a multimillionaire. I can't okay. believe I can't find this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that's not like all over YouTube. Just reactions, like, like things from Entertainment Tonight and Inside Edition. Like I remember watching it thinking like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen and I can't turn away. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched that beginning to end because I could not believe what was unfolding in front of my eyes. Right. And for better or for worse, it would be so interesting to go back to that, but I can't, it's not on YouTube, but it's not on BitChute, it's not on uh, Daily Motion. Uh, I don't know how Fox managed to burn all copies. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta figure somebody recorded this. Yeah, maybe the only way to see it is some, sometimes libraries have DVDs of shows. I don't even know if they brought that out on DVD. Well, you know what, it'll, it'll eventually somebody will upload it and when they do, we'll be covering it. Until yeah. next time, everyone, stay safe, everybody. And Chris, uh, before we go, if you could just let everyone know how they, how they can watch your movie. Yeah, so uh, the documentary I made, Lady Wrestler, The Amazing Untold Story of African-American Women in the Ring is on Amazon Prime Video. Okay, and great, great watching. You don't even have to be a wrestling fan to really uh, get into it. Cool, thank you. All right, thanks.